1: The idea of the, the building is that there's no internal corridors and there are no internal staircases. So right. uh, every space has a direct relationship to the yard and the yard is mm. sort of, you know, in a way the common ground. Mm. Then Big enough have, to get some trucks in here. Yeah, isn't it? And, yeah. and these doors are four meters by four meters. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is Adam, this is, uh, this is John.
0: Anthony Gormley, Britain's most successful contemporary sculptor, creator of Angel of the North, invites me to his vast studio complex in King's Cross to talk about the artwork he made, the work he wishes he'd made, and the work he's making. You've just launched a major exhibition at the Royal Academy, which is a lot of new work, but also... Artwork, which is familiar as well, and the themes that have been there at the centre of your work for now for several decades. It's the body, it's our place in space. Space is really important, isn't it, to you? What
1: I think that's what sculpture does. Sculpture can activate space. But, you know, I think we always think of space as being the interval between Things. But I think space also exists inside of us. And you know, I'm always saying, when you close your eyes, where are you? Well, you are somewhere, but it's difficult to say where it is because it doesn't have any edges. It's kind of empty. And But I think of that that interior space, the space of the viewer, the space of the subject that moves through the spaces that might be activated by sculpture as maybe the most important. That's the space of imagination. That is, w- that is what you're trying to, in a way, make contact with. And so far as I'm concerned, the exhibition at the RA, yeah, the viewer is... is uh, there is no other subject other than the viewer uh, as he or she moves through these 13 rooms. And I guess that's, for me, the, the, the big joy and the big challenge of making sculpture today. It's no longer serving power. It's not telling stories about uh, you know, m- myths or religious um, revelation or about trying to support um, the, the political status quo. We don't have a, uh, a political status, uh, let alone a status <laughs> quo at the moment. Uh, it's actually doing something else, which is saying, attend to this present moment and to these displaced materials, some of which have been formed, some of which haven't, and attend to your own reactions, primarily physical reactions. <laughs> this is a collaboration. I think of the, I think of the exhibition as, in, in, in a way, an invitation, an invitation to co-produce something of value which uh, you know, intrinsically is not in the work itself, it's something, it's, these are all invitations to work with these emptinesses, with these masses, with these darknesses, with these lights, with these lines, with these surfaces, with these masses, with gravity, with, with uh, space and time.
0: And a co-production between artist and viewer. Yeah, and visitor. absolutely. And I think there's a lovely circularity to the exhibition. We arrive in the courtyard of the Royal Academy and there you almost trip over it as you walk in. small. Baby, almost like a newborn baby curled up there on the floor and it looks so vulnerable and it draws you in and it's, um, it's cast, it's a, it's a cast baby sculpture. And then right at the end of the exhibition, after we've passed through a series of rooms which are filled with quite monumental artworks, there is a gallery filled with seawater And mud, and it made me think we've come full circle because it is from the mud, from the swamp, that we first emerged, and that baby springs to mind again.
1: Yeah, I guess the thing
0: about time,
1: generation, our place in an elemental world at a time where everything is information, everything is communicatable digitally, I mean I think that's the broader context of this and I want I want art to be about life about as it were how human life connects with all life you could say um, the elemental world has been brought into this temple of culture with its gilded ceilings and and, and fine rooms I've removed all signs of the 20th and 21st century so there's there is no lighting in there whatsoever we mm-hmm. simply have this space lit with skylight uh and you know if you go after dark if you go after sunset at 7:15, you will see it in the dark but for me this is the, yeah this is an encounter with our origins with if you like the primal soup with with in in a sense the place that we all come from but also uh, this offering I think to say these are the elements on which we depend and on which future the future life of the biosphere depends and you stand there as a witness to it with a with an idea of what 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 yeah, what are you going to do with your consciousness, your your freedom of action, your 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 will, your power? Now, uh, this extraordinary moment of our species being gifted with a technology of enormous potency, uh, are we going to continue to use it in a way to exploit those elemental? Uh, Truths of of an earthly existence, or are we going to find a way of working with it and and finding human nature as part of nature as an extension of nature? You know, we are listening to the voices of children. We are listening to the Greta Thunbergs of this world, because they're they're telling us in some senses where uh, the Enlightenment project, our rationality and experimentation, and therefore Cooling has taken us, and just say you've got to get your priorities right. And I think there are things that art can do in terms of providing places in which the, the 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 consequences of the kinds of truths that Greta is speaking can be turned into internal action. We we have we we have a crisis of our civilization. We have to recalibrate
0: what being civilised means and I, I believe that art can help us do that I'm going to ask you about three artworks one that you made, one that you wish you'd made, one that you're making at the moment just before we do that, you mentioned Greta Thunberg who's still what Sixteen years old, yeah. who is looking to the future, helping other people decide what sort of future we're going to live in. Think back to sixteen, being sixteen, young Anthony Gormley at sixteen. What did you have an idea of what you would be doing in the future, and what role you might play? Was there a sort of a sense that you might offer something to society in the same way? Uh, I had no idea, at age sixteen, and I think it is.
1: It, 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 it's always. A wonderful wake-up call when you meet people like that, when you meet, you know, a, a pianist age eight who, who is able to play Bach partitas perfectly and, and you realise that's the potential of human intelligence and the sensibility. But I wasn't... I, that, that wasn't me... Um,
0: When did art art start then?
1: I think, oh no, art was always there from the very beginning. I was always sort of writing poetry and and making making a mess and I had my own studio. Uh, Probably from about the age of eight, I I transformed the garden shed uh, in Hampstead Garden Suburb into my laboratory and uh, I had my chemistry set and I had my uh, yeah I would make uh, potions and explosions and uh, that kind of thing. Did you Uh, see it as art then? No 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 no. it was just I needed to get out of the house and do my own thing in a space that uh, I could make my own and I guess nothing's changed. I was going to say it's the same thing (laughs) looking around me
0: here in your studio I mean we have all the way around there are big paintings black monochrome paintings which evoke the sense of that kind of curled um, Uh, Aluminium that we see in In one of the early galleries in the Royal Academy. Um, I described it the other day when I was in there like a giant slinky, which has come unwound. You know, there's things you used to roll down the stairs as a kid. Um, But there is a sense of play in here. You're still experimenting.
1: Play is, you know, it is the beginning of everything. What happens when you put this... Uh, next to this or what happens when you smash this next to this uh, into this uh, (laughs) observing something arise that wasn't there before I mean that's the magic of art so I I, I think I've always done that I I remember I used to make these potions which were mixtures of pigment and chemicals and whatever and and Mm. seal them and put them behind the books in my father's library Um, and then sort of with the view of unearthing them, uh, you know, uh, years later. And I realised that, yeah, the life in my garden shed was going to be my life. And, and,
0: uh, you know... (laughs) And here uh, you are. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, there are so many artworks. There must be, well, we're talking about four decades of work now. And you have returned to the subject of the body, of space, of place, uh, time and time again. The work I made, so many people think instantly the Angel of the North with you. Yeah. Is that the one of which you are proudest or are you, no, you the I, w- I wanted to talk about another place. Another place that... The, the piece in
1: Crosby Beach that was going to be temporary—it was going to be there for a year, but it's now
0: been there for ten years. So, there's just for those who don't know, there are a hundred pieces, casts, Gormleys. Yeah, they're standing they're very in simple. the sea. It's sort of what about across three kilometre? It's about uh, three
1: and a half kilometres long and about a kilometre out to sea. Crosby uh, Beach near Liverpool. This is Mersey Crosby. Cros- yeah, cr- the the north side of the Crosby Estuary. This amazing, yeah, industrial beach, and you look out to North Wales. You look out to a now a great array of wind turbines that weren't there when we when I put the piece in. I was a bit worried about when they first came. Isn't this going to be a distraction? But in fact, it's absolutely. It's just a reinforcement in a way of this. I think question that the the, the work asks: What is our relationship with with mm. in a way nature? with what lies the other
0: side of the horizon. Those figures are gazing out to the horizon, almost they look as if they are starting a journey. They're kind of sort of wading their way across the ocean there.
1: Yeah, they're a, they're on a single plane, which means that they, they get completely covered by the sea. There's quite a massive tide variation of over 10 metres. So the pieces that are a kilometre out they, uh, at high tide, you know, they're... 30, 30 foot below, the, below the, the surface of the sea. Yeah, the work is very simple. It's, it's 17 life casts of me made by my wife, Parsons and Parsons, another wonderful artist with whom I'm still very much in love and with whom I could not have really proceeded in, in, in my project. But anyway, these 17 moments are... Just moments of breathing, breathing in and breathing out. Some of them subtly more tense than others. Some have a fully inflated chest. Some of them are completely uh, with the breath fully out of the body. Um, they, they 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 are all looking west, looking towards America. And now the ones that are most exposed to the greatest range of both. Sea, being covered by the sea and being dried by the wind are their their surfaces are spalling. They are they've they've lost up to six millimeters of of wow. surface, and, they're, oh, so and they they're, they're actually disintegrating, but in the most beautiful way. And Does that they bother look, you? Then? Not at all. No, the ones that are furthest out are covered in barnacles and, and, and uh, therefore are sort of protected by this organic um, yeah, uh, paint that is that is alive the ones that are high up the beach um, are as they were when they were first put in it's only the ones that are in this median tide plane that are really really moving with with time and the effect of the elements and I think this is very much you know it's called Another Place, but it is a meditation on our relationship yeah, with, as it were, the sea that divides us but also connects us. The extraordinary thing about sculpture is that it doesn't need a building. It doesn't need protection. It doesn't need a label. It doesn't need curation. It can simply be in the world. It can be on the street. It can be on a beach. It can be on top of a mountain and just be there night and day, snow, showers, Sunshine, And it becomes not just a marker in space and performing the alchemy of changing a site into a place where some degree of habitation has happened, some degree of human connection has happened. And I think that is what sculpture can do. Um, So it's a a marker in space, but then also a marker in time. So here are these... I I do think of them as industrial fossils. They are a moment of human lived time that has been taken out of time. But now it's placed in a context of sidereal time, of the time of the tides, of uh, lunar time. And... It's there for everyone. So it's not enclosed within an institution. You don't have to pay a ticket to go. It's there, you know, all the time. And it's open for everyone. And people go and walk their dogs, and their dogs pee on the sculptures, and uh, they, they put their braziers, and their swimming hats, and their condoms, and their club ties on the work. I suppose there's an openness to that work and a resilience. The, the continual story of human migration, the idea that over that horizon there's another place where life may be better, life may be possible at all.
0: There's a new resonance to that piece because of yeah, the images exactly. that we've seen of people crossing oceans and being, wading through water, struggling with the tides.
1: In a time of mass migration mm-hmm. now, that thought is so much in all of our minds and There was a time when people are dying, crossing the English Channel to get here.
0: It's a difficult question when I ask any artist about the work you wish you'd made, because, of course, you didn't make it, and you can't really wish to have made somebody else's work, because you are not that person. Any work of art is very personal. Which work of art do you admire? That's You know, a work that has had a, a, a major influence on you. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by three thirty one. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax Full Service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.
1: I just have to go back to uh, nineteen seventy nine, um, arriving really for the first time in New York, and just feeling that incredible energy and 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 wanting to wanting to make contact with artists and and works that I had always admired and you know now had the opportunity I had this traveling scholarship um, uh, to to meet and uh, I went to see Mark Lancaster who was a friend uh, who had been the artist residence at King's in Cambridge and he said oh why don't you go down There's there's a new work by Walter de Maria uh, in New Mexico why don't you go down and see it it had been in existence for about 18 months by then, but Walter de Maria was there himself with John, his photographer, who is the author of those extraordinary photographs where you see the lightning field in the foreground and lightning strikes, but actually nowhere near. They're about, like, 25 miles south of the of the field itself.
0: Just explain what the lightning field is. The lightning
1: field is this... If we still think that sculpture is a singular object, or often an, a naked lady made out of uh, yeah marble, this is the complete opposite. This is a field. It's a field effect. It is it is space, not thing, based, and it's one mile long by a kilometre wide. It's about two hundred odd. Spikes that are about 20 foot high each. They're stainless steel, very, very, very highly polished with these very, very literally needle sharp points that describe an absolutely horizontal plane. It's 7,200 feet above mean sea level uh, on this uh, high plateau covered in desert bush.
0: And how, but they're how very. Are, they're and very each, needle is each
1: needle is twenty foot, twenty four. Yeah. That's the mean height. The mean height is, but, but, but actually, the, the topography of land changes quite a bit.
0: So each needle is a different height. Each, so needle, the, the, each the, the, needle is a different height. But from a distance, they look like they are at the same.
1: Yeah. If you if you if you if you look from a distance, you're aware of this plane that is described by the needle points, and the drama of arrival at Quamado and then going in four-wheel drive for an hour or two up into the mountains and then arriving at this, yeah, extraordinary, clear-skied, open space surrounded by mountains and you put your stuff in a log cabin which is at, at one side of the field. You're given a water bottle and out you go and it's just you and the silence and the heat and the light and the, the ground is stony you are aware almost painfully aware of the crunching of your feet as they like make contact with the sand and the stone the, it's a harsh landscape but these these needles literally are an acupuncture of space and you feel through their agency that you are more alive and alert and present than you would be without them. And then the magic starts as the light begins to fade so these needles pick up this change in the colour of the... Of the sky, they start and they to glow. and they start to glow. This this amazing gold that gets deeper and deeper um, until they are these these gilded red rods that are plugged into the firmament. And it's a it's an extraordinary thing. It it, it, it is a work that deals with light, space, t- and time in a way that uh, totally transformed my idea about what art could be, that you bring these highly manufactured objects into this untouched landscape and suddenly the present experience of anyone moving through that is transformed. I think that's the best art can do, to return you to the miracle of being alive. Yeah, it was a... How long were a, you there for? Deep inspiration. I think we were there for about
0: four days. Four days, uh, and you you yeah. stay in the log cabin. Stayed in the and log you, cabin. You'd do and, nothing but just sort of contemplate the yeah, landscape. Yeah, we, no, we, we, it was also the time
1: of the full moon, so we were we were out there, and, uh, you know, day and, and, and night. Walter and, de Maria was there with you. And Walter de Maria was there with me, uh, with Jack Daniels, which is his favourite... Bourbon. Uh, so we, we had a very nice time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's a really interesting guy, Walter Maria. He started out as a drummer with the Velvet Underground, the Underground or the band, yeah, actually, the yeah. band that became the Velvet Underground. Yeah, he was a yeah. band in a band with Lou Reed. Yeah. They were called The Primitives, a- I think, actually. I think that was what they were, they were called. I don't know what happened to his rock and roll career. He still had a drum
1: set in his... Uh, <laughs> in his studio uh, when I knew him in New York. Really? Uh, no, the, the, the really interesting is, you know, he, he sort of started as a painter on the West Coast, and yet we think of him now as this highly cerebral, uh, almost spiritual uh, kind of hermit of, yeah. of, of New York. I think he, he retained the freedom of spirit of that... Velvet Underground moment. I think he also, from his association with Lou Reed and, and I guess, Kale as well, mm. the idea that you could be... You just had to hoe your own row. You just had to stick with the things you believed in. And he was... He was very kind to, to Vicken and I and gave me a lot of encouragement.
0: I've got to say, he created one of the an artwork which has stayed with me since I first saw it in I don't know, many years ago, eighteen years ago, in New York, and that's the Earth Room, yeah. and it's in a street in Soho, yeah. which is it's on maybe Green Street. It's on Green or, Street or, is or is it Spring Mercer? Street. No, maybe it's Mercer. in the, what would have been a sort of warehouse building, you go onto the third floor, and it's there, and it's a room packed full of fresh, well, moist earth which it isn't just a room it's a whole bloody floor
1: it's a whole (laughs) apartment it is like many rooms and the genius is that yes you go up these creaky wooden stairs and you smell it before you see it and there across the threshold when you get to the top landing is a piece of glass so you can see that it's about yeah, yeah it's about it's about a yard thick and you and it is, as you say, moist. You know, it's regularly sterilized because sterilized he doesn't want he doesn't want anything growing, and he wants mm-hmm. this potential of the of
0: the earth. Looking around the Royal Academy show and getting to that last room where you have the flooded gallery and the mud, I couldn't help but think of the Earth Room. Yeah. Um, he's still clearly an influence, a big influence on you. Yeah, isn't he? I think. I mean, I think that you know, the Earth Room,
1: in a sense, particularly. The fact that it's sterilised and and held, it, I would like to say this is my this is my conversation with the Earth Room, saying, well, actually, this is a living experiment. We have brought seawater and yeah, clay from Buckinghamshire together. This is actually a live situation. Mm. There is the production of gas. There is organic matter in there yeah, which algae which, in there. which which will which will evolve mm. but yeah walter is there in that piece my conversation with him is continuing as it were after his death i think he intuitively was interested in the same questions about human future what was our part going to be in the evolution of life on this planet it, it's a question for every single one of us.
0: So, you've talked about the work you made, another place, Crosby Beach, those figures. And you've talked about the work you wish you'd made, Lightning Field, Walter de Maria, and possibly many other Walter de Maria pieces that have. ...provided a conversation for your work, which continues. Uh, we're in the studio, uh, there are new pieces <laughs> all around us... ...on a table, these black paintings with, that look like irises... ...they look like close-up of an eye... ...they possibly are black holes in space... ...they may be exploding stars... Um, ...but I guess this is only one of many projects which is <laughs> on the go in your studio space here
1: Yeah, there's always,
0: there's always stuff bubbling up but the piece that I'm so excited about
1: because it's such an honour and an extraordinary invitation I was invited by Philippe Bellaval, who is the Minister des Monuments Historiques in, in France to come to Brittany to this extraordinary barrow grave uh, that's called Barnenay it's on the north coast of Brittany and it's the largest passage tomb of the early farmers. So we, we know about the, uh, the, the Boyne Valley and, and Newgrange and Houth and Nouth, these incredible, these incredible Neolithic monuments in, in, in Ireland. Mm. But there is one with ten passage graves and one huge tumulus that is on this raised hillside in Britain above yeah ab- above uh, the northern shore of, of uh, Brittany in a place called Barnenez and uh, he's invited me to make a response
0: you, uh, what to sit alongside it nearby it's going
1: no it, basically to the north of Barnenez there's a there's a whole cluster of islands and peninsulas and uh, I'm going to make these works that will be a about four meters high, probably weighing about six tons each, made out of cast iron. That will the first one will sit on, stand on the beach. They are brutal. Uh, they're made out of massive blocks, monoliths, and they are they are really monoliths. But they're made of uh, uh, up to thirty blocks that are. Balanced, one on top of the other, ah. but but now made solid. So they're, they're, they're single castings. Cubes? Um, Are they cuboids they're, they're slabs. Right. So they're massive houses of cards, but made out of blocks that, right. that do actually cohere. So they yeah. An attempt to say something about the human condition—that we're we're sort of provisional and that we kind of stand up, but we're in danger always of falling <laughs> over—and um, uh, yet we're always looking, we're always looking for what's happening in the future. So they'll have this; they are essentially stacks of yeah, slabs that could be stone, but actually are iron. And, and they will go out. They will go. They, the first one is on the beach. Yeah. The second one is on a on an on a promontory. Uh, that runs out from the breach. The third one is on an island um, that is about um, three hundred meters away, and they will go out to about three kilometers out into the sea. Into the sea, but, but, wow. but attached to rocks around these islands. How passes. many? How many of them all in all? There are there are seven altogether. God.
0: That's quite Um, a way out. That's a a busy shipping lane.
1: No, I am on my way there. In two (laughs) weeks' time, I will be going rather too late in the day um, with the marine engineers and the harbour authorities to inspect the sites and see what dangers there are for shipping. So this is a project which is conceived commission this is conceived it may not happen we may not get we may not get all the necessary authority mm-hmm. permissions
0: these are artworks which do have an eye to the future which are about um, kind of resilience i guess but also having that dialogue with the with the ancient past with the yeah, neolithic past and they are i I, mean, so they're I, undirect- I, guess, I guess that i want them to be
1: rooted in their relationship with the ancient past and the first farmers with whom i have an enormous well, what is it? it I, it's a combination of absolute admiration and a certain degree of envy. I mean, the Ring of Brogna, the Stones of Stenness, Stonehenge, the Rollwright Stones, Avery. I mean, they had no technology at all and yet had this collective imagination that they were going to mark the face of the planet with something that was going to last for thousands, for millennia. Well that, that, is an, that is two things. One is it is a profound expression of hope in the collective future of our species. But it's also this, this, this belief that somehow we have to work with what we are given, with an inherited earth, imaginatively, uh, to make the richest possible future arise and i still i still feel that that you know that's the work that sculptor, sculpture can do that's the work that sculpture can do and that's the work that somehow i've been called to do so yes this work has a profound relationship with that inspiration that inspirational past but i want it to be about the future and I want it to be about asking questions about the future and the sustainability of our, in a way, relationship with the elemental world. We cannot continue to be exploiters of natural resources that we think of as being free, because they're not. This may never happen. It may, you know, it may just be a wish. But I'm very, very excited about it because I think it
0: combines all of the things that I love most. An attitude to the f- future rooted in the past. And looking out in the same way that your figures on Crosby Beach are looking towards yeah. America, these are, and Brittany looking back towards Britain, yeah, I is it re establishes that. that link at a time when there is a political division on that horizon? Does Brexit come into, into play? Does it have any effect on what will happen, whether it will get made, on the meaning of the world? I maybe? hope that it is. A
1: reinforcement of the fact that you know certainly, I mean, Brittany, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. This is these these are Celtic homelands. You know, I'm partly Irish. I feel a huge love for, I think those those parts of the world where somehow the cry of seabirds, the smell of bladerrack, the exposed granite of the bones of the world is visible. Um, and i think you know brexit is a just a stupid kind of moment of collective fibrillation we belong to europe we belong geologically to europe we were only separated 5000 years ago the whole idea that somehow we can go it alone with greater relationships with former commonwealth or with friends and cousins in america i mean it's just it's just
0: Ridiculous. And on a practical level, I mean, if Britain does leave the EU so politically, financially, and all of those institutional links between British you know, museums and artists, I mean, well, does, it's, does culturally, it's an absolute disaster. We know that very clearly. I mean, the, the
1: immediate loss of billions of uh, European funded projects. I'm working in Plymouth at the moment, and the whole regeneration of that 250,000 strong a remarkable city that has suffered from a certain amount of social deprivation, is funded by Europe, uh, as are many areas that have been the ones that have voted to leave, none of which makes any sense to anybody. We need to refresh our own visions of ourselves by our conversations with our neighbours on every level, visual art, dance, music theater, poetry, academic research, on all of those fronts, the dialogues that we have with France and Germany and Italy, I mean, basically all of, all of our European neighbors, these are really, really, really important moments. We, how, do you, how do you understand yourself other than by your relationships with your nearest neighbors? Anyway, sorry, we mustn't get involved in bre- Brexit because it's too depressing. And, and,
0: we wandered off there. Um, <laughs> I've got to say, the tea's fantastic. N- yeah, Chinese tea. Yeah,
1: no, ta- Taiwanese. Oh, Taiwanese. Taiwanese, is it? Taiwanese. And, and uh, yeah, so these are the first leaves from the oolong plant that are then dried and then, and then rolled into these amazing
0: little balls. Tiny mm-hmm. pellets. Look at that. Absolutely wonderful. And so it's a, the size of
1: a pea or a little smaller. Beautiful.
0: Anyway, and very tasty tea. tea. Tea is a lovely thing. Tea. tea Anthony, tea. I've got to let you get on with your okay. work. <laughs> okay. It's been Thank absolutely you. fabulous oh, talking to you. Lovely. It's lovely having you here. And if you enjoyed this conversation with Anthony Gormley, I hope you'll enjoy hearing the artistic choices of some of my other guests in the series, including songwriters Paul Weller, Natalie Merchant, Guy Garvey and Tom O'Dell. Playwrights Lucy Preble and Kwame kwei Amar. Actress Haley Atwell talks about three roles, Richard Curtis chooses three films, and there are more on the way. Please do rate and review the series and remember we're on Twitter and Instagram. These Three is presented and produced by me, John Wilson, in association with Analog Folk. Thanks very much for listening.